Welcome to another episode of the No Feeding Tubes Show. I'm your host, Yvonne McLaren, and I'm here to help you live your best food life following or during head and neck cancer treatment. Thanks for listening and hanging out with me here today. This is a lived experience and one that I think is better shared. And what do I know? Well, in late 2018, I was diagnosed with oropharyngeal cancer and I went on to have a third of my tongue removed, both tonsils, the tumour, 30 lymph nodes and 30 chemoradiotherapy sessions. I also had a peg tube feed for 15 months and ate nothing orally in that time. So grab your favourite beverage or your walking shoes and let's get started. Hello there, welcome to episode 32 of the No Feeding Tubes show. I'm your host Yvonne McLaren and today I want to talk about the PEG tube. In many ways, the PEG tube is the whole reason why I decided to create and develop nofeedingtubes.com. I had a PEG tube in my abdomen for about 15 months following head and neck cancer. And I think worldwide there's a bit of mystery around pegs. Now, I'm going to just preface this episode by saying I don't know a lot about peg tubes other than the fact that I had one for over a year. Uh, I managed it as well as I could with fairly limited support and information around it, um, I was also very determined to get rid of it. So the three things that I want to talk about today are forgiving yourself for having it, embracing the peg tube, and having a plan to get rid of it. So what I mean by forgiving yourself, uh, I actually wasn't given a choice whether to have a peg tube inserted or not. Now, I was later to discover that there's a couple of schools of thought on peg tubes after head and neck cancer treatment. And this is verbatim from my surgeon. When I asked him about it, he said, well, Yvonne, there are two schools of thought. One is we're proactive and the other is some people are reactive. In my case, they were proactive. They didn't ask. They just put the peg tube in. And look, you know, although I say they're proactive, I'm pretty sure that they've got a bit of an idea when they're dealing with you as a patient whether you're going to be able to eat orally or not um, in the immediate future. And for me, I think they could tell that that just wasn't going to be possible. So before I ever left hospital, I had a peg tube inserted in. So I had all my uh, treatment done and that was the radio and the chemo. And before I even left hospital, I had this peg tube put in. And I've got to admit, I didn't give it a great deal of thought. I I didn't really even know what it was. I just knew that um, I had to go in and have surgery again and that was probably more concerning for me than the actual peg tube itself. And uh, 
you know, look, had I had my time again, would I have had a peg tube? Probably. Um, certainly it made my eating life a lot easier. Uh, it became problematic when I started to feel better and I also started to realise that I was relying on it a lot. <laughs> but the first thing I want to talk about is, you know, there seems to be a bit of a stigma out there about, oh, you know, I have, shall I have a peg or shan't I have a peg? My way of thinking, and this is just my personal thoughts, it's got nothing to do with the medical or professional um, support around whether you do or don't have a peg tube. I had one because I had so much difficulty and pain in terms of uh, I couldn't even put anything in my mouth to begin with. The pain was just off the Richter scale. I ended up losing, I think it was about 28 to 30 kilos. I dropped an awful lot of weight. Um, and I knew, I was more concerned about actually being dehydrated as opposed to food uh, at the beginning. But... Um, you know, medications, everything went in my peg tube and I set myself up to use that peg tube religiously, morning, noon and night. Uh, but then I set myself up for another bit of an issue, which was I didn't know how to transition off that peg tube back to oral eating. So the first thing I would say is uh, for me, and again, I say this is just based on my experience, I had to forgive myself and I had to get over the fact that I had a peg tube. You know, you've got it. It's there for a reason. Um, it was brilliant backup. There was no way knowing I could have got in the required amount of calories without it. I couldn't swallow enough um not only calories, but water, um, anything really. I just simply couldn't do it. Uh, and as far as actually swallowing uh, medications, and at that point I was also seeing a naturopath and there were some um, things around my blood work that I certainly couldn't swallow. So, you know, there was a really big learning curve for me about how to manage the peg. Now, if I go back to... Uh, forgiving yourself and accepting and embracing the peg tube, I had to learn things like how to dress with it. I had a particularly long <laughs> tube, um, you know, piece of pipe that had the, um, I don't know what they call that head where you actually stuck the um, syringe into. Um, that piece of the pipe was really long for me and I ended up, popping it up under my bra to keep it out the way because nine times out of ten I'd get it caught on something and walk past and, you know, I'd rip it out. You know, oh, anyway, the whole – it just even saying it makes me feel queasy. So I had to learn how to dress with it. I had to learn how to shower with it. I had to learn how to rotate it and keep it clean and I was scrupulous about that. I was also scrupulous about keeping my syringes clean, the end clean. I put a lot of turmeric uh, in my feeder, so it went yellow. I also broke the end off it, the bit that actually sealed the peg tube off. I actually broke that off and they, people kept telling me, oh, you're being too rough with it. No, I just had to open and shut it 
so many times a day that eventually that plastic thing broke off. Um, and I had to do a bit of negotiation to get that end fixed before the actual thing fell off completely because you'd end up like a Monty Python skit with, you know, commercial formula sprouting out of that thing like blood. Um, so I had to go back in and I self put myself back into hospital and got that end thing fixed before it broke off entirely. Uh, I'm sure there's a lot of you that probably, if you were lucky, didn't have a peg tube as long as I did. And I think in that in itself became problematic because people just didn't quite know how to deal with someone who'd had a peg tube for that long. Um, embracing the peg Look, eventually I did learn to embrace it. I did learn to live with it and exercise with it and that was the first thing I really learned to do was to exercise with it. I tried all number of things to run with my peg. I tried maternity belts. I tried taping it up. I tried a range of things to ensure that that peg wasn't jiggling around when I was exercising and I... I made that decision, I made that conscious decision because at the time the exercise, the outdoor fitness, the fresh air was so important for my mental health that that kind of overrode any issue I was having with the peg. It, my peg became of secondary importance to me at that point. Um, I also found it very uh, useful and necessary to continue my outdoor fitness classes because my trainers, my coaches, were also the ones that were incredibly instrumental in teaching me how to drink water again uh, using a external device. That is, in my case, um, a water bottle that I squirted water into my mouth with. And in the end, I discovered that squirting wasn't so good. Drinking was much better. And to this day, that stands. So I did embrace the peg, but I also had to accept a lifestyle with that peg. And I had to work around, you know, dressing, doing activity that enabled me to continue to use the peg, but also to continue to do these external activities, which I thought were equally as important. So I think you've got to embrace the peg. I think if someone gives you the decision, you know, do you want to go with the peg or don't you? I don't know how to answer that. Um, as I say, that decision was taken away from me they, my doctor, my surgeon just said, you're going in. I think we're going to put a peg tube in. He did come into my uh, hospital room and say that. Uh, I suspect I was so drugged up on um, opioids and painkiller that I didn't really register with me what he was saying, but he obviously made that call based on his professional opinion and I don't regret it at all. I still have a hole in my stomach, which I don't like, my second belly button. But you know what? That's part of the journey. Uh, and without that peg tube, I think I would be in a very different place. Having said that, uh, the third thing that I want to talk about today is having a plan. Now, when someone said to me, and I think it was my speech language pathologist, uh, and I was still in hospital, you may have this peg for life, Yvonne. 
I can remember the fear that rose in me and I looked at her and went, no, 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 no. There is no way that I am going to live with this peg tube in me for the rest of my life. Uh, Looking back, I can now see how I could have easily have fallen into that trap. The biggest thing for me was uh, travelling. I didn't see my future self travelling with that peg tube feeder. Uh, I could see restrictions left, right and centre and if nothing else, even regardless of food, that was my motivator. I thought, no, no way. There is no way, no one, I am going to live with this peg forever. At that point... um, I wasn't to know, but I was going to have that peg tube feeder for another 15 months. And um, in that time, it became my closest friend and I became very reliant on it. Uh, It was just easier to shove commercial formula into that peg. It was easier not to buy food. It was easier not to try and eat fresh food. It was easier just to keep putting this stuff in my peg tube uh, until I sort of slapped myself in the face one day and went, what the hell are you doing? And this is where Ellie Brown, um, the television host um, who lives in Las Vegas, I believe, or Los Angeles, I can't remember. Apologies, Ellie, if you're listening. Uh, She said to me, didn't know me from Charlie, but just said, you need to get off that commercial formula, Evan. You need to get onto some fresh food via smoothies. And I didn't have a coach. I didn't have anyone telling me. I didn't have anyone here with me, like a carer or a spouse or a friend because, well, people around me, the people, my immediate circle, they hadn't dealt with anyone with head and neck cancer before. They hadn't dealt with anybody who had a peg tube feeder. They didn't know what to say to me. They didn't know what I was going through. They weren't here for every meal seeing what I was doing. So I sort of had this wake-up call and it was like, what am I doing? Let's get off this thing. You know, it's just become easy for me to not uh, make food, not create food, not shop for food, not prepare anything because I don't know what I'm going to eat. <laughs> that was the other thing. So, you know, whilst I was doing this, um, I know about food. I know how to manipulate food. I had taught myself about idzy, about textures, about choking, about dysphagia. I taught myself all that. What it didn't necessarily translate into was how do you actually start to transition from that peg tube back to eating orally enough to maintain your weight and in my case maintain weight and do my outdoor activity so I had to have a plan and that's really when I wrote easy follow easy swallow that kind of finished that book up for me and I wrote down my transition plan and all the things that I had to do to get me to where I am now And this is some three and a half years later after I think I've been off my peg tube now a couple of years, two and a half, three years. And I can remember the fear. There was real fear in there in terms of 
how do I live without the ease of pouring commercial formula in my mouth, in my peg tube, my apologies, my peg tube. Now, I know there are going to be people out there listening to this that may never get off their peg tube, that you may have been in an unfortunate position where you can't. But then the flip side of that is that you're alive, you're here, and you have an opportunity to create the best food life you've got with whatever you've got available to you. So I'm really talking quite directly to people who know, have no medical reason why they can't get off their peg tube. And I was told that I may not be able to ever. And I, (laughs) true to nature, true to form, I bucked the system and went, no way, that isn't happening for me. So you need to have a plan. Um, And... You know, creating the Mind Food Body program was about how I transitioned back to real food eating, what I did and what I continue to do now today on a daily basis to ensure that I'm still living the best possible food life that I can live given what's happened to me. And I'm hoping that you gain something out of me discussing what happens and what has happened and what is happening with me. Um, You know, you've got to understand that I think one of the biggest things with me was slow feeds. I would get so nauseous if I rushed feeds with that peg tube. Um, There's a bit of a stigma attached to it. You may have food allergies and the commercial formula may not be set up for you to uh, tolerate commercial formula. So there's a there's a raft and range of reasons why you might want to get off your peg tube. For me, it was I want to travel, you know, and I'm six weeks away at the time of filming here from going away on my first overseas trip again, um, you know, post COVID, uh, post COVID couldn't have come at a better time for me. I healed the whole time Australia was in lockdown. So I was kind of grateful for that opportunity because um, I couldn't go anywhere anyway. So the three things that I just wanted to reiterate with you today around peg tube complacency is forgive yourself for having it and embrace it. It's there for a reason. Make the most of it Um, and have a plan to get off it. Have a plan to get back to eating fresh food again. And if you don't know and understand what that plan might look like for you, I'd highly encourage you to have a look at my e-guide, which I've just recently uh, launched on Amazon. Uh, It's entitled A Guide to... um, your best food life after head and neck cancer treatment and or you can also purchase my easy follow easy swallow book that I wrote oh, pretty soon after I'd just come out of treatment and I think I was just getting off my own peg tube at the time so look I hope you got something out of that today um episode 32 peg tube complacency Um, Thank you for joining today and I look forward to seeing you 
at the next episode of the No Feeding Tubes show. Signing off, everybody. If you're enjoying this too, please um, think to leave me a review on podcast. Uh, And if you're watching on the YouTube channel, there's a free resource in the link below for you. Okay, everybody. Thank you. See you soon. Bye.